When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well, honestly, I felt a couple drops of rain when I came into the building this morning a few hours back at about 2 a.m., and I think that might be about it for this rain system. Welcome to a Tuesday. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Yeah, we do have rain in the forecast, uh, but not necessarily real measurable rain. Looks like the heaviest rain is going to be south of Madison probably even south of the Wisconsin border. Today's daytime high is expected to be around 71 degrees. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 81. Thursday, partly sunny and 82. Friday, partly sunny and 80 degrees. And then the weekend, we've got another chance of rain circling back around the state. Stu Muckrag, meteorologist, has weather details. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, will be joining us live this morning, trying to figure out why the markets continue to trend lower as we start today. And we're also focusing in on some of the uh, new experiments that a lot of Wisconsin farmers are doing on their farms when it comes to nutrient management. Talking with a Green County dairy producer that's finding composting manure solves some of his issues. Stick around for all those conversations and more. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor lineup at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile Chunk Gill. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook at Fabulous Farm Babe, on Twitter at Fab Farm Babe, or by downloading the Midwest Farm Report app. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. I am never done learning. I went to trade policy school a few weeks ago and had the opportunity to learn a whole lot more about the world trade. I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I made a lot of contacts during trade school, and after the school was done, I was able to talk to Andrew Brandt. He's the director of trade policy for the U.S. Grains Council. We talked about the role of the U.S. Grains Council in the world market. And we even went and talked, and we even talked about the funding they get, those checkoff dollars at work. But first, we talked about the connections that the U.S. Grain Council has throughout the world. Uh, yeah, it certainly does. Um, so we have uh, ten offices around the world. A lot are in our major markets. So there's a office in Mexico City. We have an office in Beijing, uh, Tokyo, um, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Tunis. In Africa, in Africa serves as both our Europe and Middle East and Africa office. Um, so we have a director and generally a deputy director in all of those offices, as well as certain you know local consultants 
et cetera, we may hire. Um, and that's a lot of what we do is uh, collect information. Um, you know, the council, we have kind of three major buckets of our mission. One is demand development. So that's going, you know, an example of that is going out. And in Africa, say the poultry industry that a lot of the countries in Africa are trying to build, we have people that will go over there and, you know, kind of teach them how to feed corn to chickens as we do here in the United States to help them produce more protein at a very uh, low cost way to just help some of their people get more protein they've never really had access to affordable protein they've never had before. Another thing is trade servicing. Uh, so those same offices that help coordinate, you know, the demand building also can do trade servicing. So as an example, the paperwork on a shipment of grain that comes in um, that gets somehow complicated in customs, whether that's uh, it's usually the obviously the country the, the port the country that the port is in is usually where the problem lies. Um, but we have people who are kind of experts who can help resolve issues on that. They know regulations for things like a, a maximum residue level or an ML, MRL. Um, there are tolerances, uh, very specific tolerances set for, you know, the trace, I guess you'd call it the traceability of crop protection chemicals. Um, sometimes issues like that pop up where they test something. Um, so we help deal with that. And then the area that I am most directly involved with is then trade policies. So that's the free trade agreements, the tariffs. Um, it does, I do deal with the MRLs, um, trying to get those set at the kind of agreed upon uh, worldwide accepted limits is our preference. Um, so those are kind of the three major buckets that we are doing and operating at these offices all around the world. And so we use these offices to, you know, our, our goal is to increase exports of U.S. grain. So uh, we're both collecting intelligence as well as trying to develop relationships and uh, create new customers with with our offices that are throughout the world. Well, we've talked an awful lot about offices around the world and getting and reaching out, developing those relationships. But are you also developing relationships with the growers here? I mentioned trade school earlier. Do you host a lot of those kind of gatherings? Uh, yeah, we do. So we are, uh, the U.S. Grants Council is a membership organization. Um, we do not have individual farmer members uh, that can join, but we have, what we do is like uh, state corn boards or barley or sorghum boards are members, and then the farmer members of those boards in turn are our members, um, but they don't individually just go to our website and sign up as an individual farmer. Uh, the trade school that we put on in lacrosse is something we have started in the last couple of years. Uh, and it's fun for, I think, our staff to get out and meet meet some of our uh, uh, members and uh, people who are interested in this in agriculture. And a lot of, you know, trade school is just telling the story, similar to what I've been doing here, uh, to help our farmers be better equipped to uh, talk about trade policy as it has become a bigger, hotter topic in uh, modern-day U.S. politics. Um, but I think it's also, uh, you know, it's not only the get, giving them the tools to engage uh, in the political debate, but also helping them understand, you know, where their value comes from, how important trade is to their bottom line, um, how it all works, how these agreements all factor in. They may, you know, the average farmer may not realize uh, how hard we work to get an MRL for a crop protection chemical in, say, South Korea, set at a certain level so we could still ship corn there. Um, 
but in trade school, we have the opportunity to uh, kind of illustrate how that all works for them. Um, and we are, you know, in part funded by checkoff dollars, but also gives us a chance to kind of show them what we're doing with, with the money they're giving us to go promote their products around the world. So um, that is something we do, but absolutely we, we do have our members. And, uh, you know, if any of them are listening, they're always welcome to call us and ask me questions. From worldwide markets to getting back into the cornfields right out our back door, what are some of the things that U.S. farmers really need to know? You know, it's important for U.S. farmers to know uh, they are in competition with farmers around the world. Um, Our competition is getting uh, much more savvy and stronger. And so the importance of maintaining market access um, is only going to grow. Um, you know, the, the cost of land and equipment has uh, certainly gone up. And in order to finance all that, you need to have revenues. And a lot of the, you know, the revenues, the price of corn, beef, pork, um, a lot of that is impacted by our ability to export it around the world. We happen to have a, you know, the pandemic and also the trade war kind of gave us natural experiments on what happens when we lose access to key markets. Um, and I think you know, those are unfortunate events, but it also kind of helped illustrate how important it is for us to be able to ex- to export our products. Uh, that wasn't just agriculture. That was across the board with, you know, trade and supply chains. And it was I think it was eye-opening to uh, many participants in the world economy um, how important uh, these trading relationships are. And so I, I think, you know, continuing to educate people on that and uh, – work to enact policies to, if there is uh, another unfortunate, unforeseen disaster, um, that we can kind of be better prepared so we don't have to uh, endure what we did with the pandemic. Um, you didn't see it so much with grain, but like, you know, the sudden dumping of milk and the unfortunate things we saw with livestock having to be uh, euthanized because there was no market. Um, you know, keeping trade open is the way we can try and pre- is one of the key ways we can try try and prevent that from happening again um, and make sure our producers have the revenues to, you know, make a decent living for themselves and their families and, uh, you know, be proud of what they do uh, participating in the world economy. Where does the funding come from to run the U.S. Grain Council? Our two biggest funding sources are, one, checkoff dollars, and two, uh, the MAP, and, which is Market Access Program, and FMD for a market development program, which is through the Farm Bill. We compete for those dollars, and they are leveraged with the checkoff dollars. Um, and then we get a little bit of money from membership dues. We have agribusiness membership dues, but that's a the, the much smaller uh, stream of our funding, I, I guess you would call it. But those are kind of the three key ways that uh, we're funded. I always like to learn more about those checkoff dollars and how they're used to help our farmers market their products. And that was Andrew Brandt, Director of Trade Policy for the U.S. Grains Council. And I'm Jill Welke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. 
Oh, how great it would feel to have your 20-year-old knees, shoulders, hips, and back. You know, you don't think about your pains when you're in your 20s or 30s, but you wish you could get that body back when you're in your 60s. I think QC did that for me. For Patrick, it started with a simple phone call to QC Kinetics. One day I was driving and I just heard the radio and I pulled over and took the number and I called them when I got home. Maybe that's you and you're listening right now. Why wait? QC Kinetics Regenerative Treatments uses your body's own natural biological to heal and restore damaged tissue without invasive surgery or harmful drugs. And as for the results... My knees are as good as they were when I was in my 20s. I'm really happy with what happened. For Patrick, it's like QC Kinetics turned back the clock. Now it's your turn. Call QC Kinetics today for your complimentary consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608-319-1750. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, so far our rainfall reporters are bearing out what I thought was likely happening. Not much in the way of rainfall. It is a Tuesday morning and time for us to catch up with our friend Stumach, Ag Meteorologist with our weather forecast for today. Kirby up in La Crescent, up in Adam Early. He said about a tenth of an inch, maybe almost two tenths of an inch rain overnight. I, I had a couple raindrops that fell on me when I came in the building at about... 215 this morning but it doesn't look like it's really amounting to much in wisconsin anyhow no i don't see a lot around i've got uh madison and mauston both saying one hundredth of an inch and baraboo weighed in with three hundredths of an inch hmm. so that's about it and that's i mean is this the best time of day for the rain or is something going to circle back around on us later well, we may get some more here. I mean, we're we're looking at the approach of a warm front, and that's still way out to our southwest. But the radar does indicate there is rain, and it really kind of spreads from, oh, about La Crosse and just about to Madison. Further out to the west and southwest, Dodgeville, Platteville, seeing some rain a little more likely. So there is some precipitation around. Stronger rains down in central Iowa and, of course, northwest Illinois. But that warm front is going to try to lift a bit further east and northeast today. And I do expect that there'll be some shower chances. The, the rain chance in the southwest part of the state continuing till oh, mid to late morning. It could be a little scattered shower activity yet this afternoon. That may spread to Beaver Dam. I don't know that Fond du Lac will see any rain or Oshkosh as we make our way on toward the late morning. But there will be a few more clouds. All of us get a little chance of some showers overnight. And then that warm front slips further north. It just warms up some sunshine, a warmer temp for Wednesday and Thursday. And then the cool front finally tries to build on in. I think we wrap up later on this week when we start moving toward Thursday night or Friday with another round of some of that scattered shower activity. Not going to bring inches of rain or anything, but 
Could mean some scattered showers, a little more moisture trying to build on in. I do know in parts of Iowa, they picked up over an inch already this morning. I said more sizable rains in central parts of Iowa, over toward the east central part of the state, heading toward the Quad Cities. And they're having a little more rain this morning. But in Wisconsin, we're going to miss out on some. And if you're at La Crosse and Mauston are planning to head a little further north today. That chance of rain is really, really small. So it's just going to affect the southwest and far south parts of the state as that warm front tries to push northeast here today. The chance then kind of spreads for all of us overnight as the warm front moves through. Then the cool front begins to sweep on in. Not going to be a big deal. No major cool downs either. As we talk temps in the upper 70s or around 80 by Wednesday and Thursday, as we look toward the weekend back into the lower 70s, that, believe it or not, is getting to be more like normal. All of our normal daytime highs have dropped into the lower 70s. The normal at Madison today is 72, and the normal at La Crosse, only 74. So, you know, those low 70s are where we should be. Those are the temps we're going to see as we move on toward the end of this week. I'll move on with our forecast details right after this. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Farmers deal with a lot, including long days, stress, and fatigue. This is your reminder to take breaks, stretch, have a snack, and hydrate your body. Avoid farm accidents by keeping yourself healthy. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how Rural Mutual supports Wisconsin farmers and prioritize safety on the farm. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Incoming! Don't worry, it's not raining elephants. That's just the sound of Dairyland Seed delivering our strongest silage lineup ever. Again, get ready for even better trait quality, even greater tonnage potential, and even more milk per acre. See how Dairyland Seed silage outperformed the competition in your area at showmethesilageyield.com. That's showmethesilageyield.com. Alrighty, Stu, let's uh, talk about more weather details. So if we get through today without rain, do we have any other showers that are going to be popping up? Well, that little chance as we look toward Wednesday is that warm front pushes through in the east and then late in the week. Uh, Thursday night or Friday, a possibility tries to build in. Talk about today, and I'll say a mostly cloudy day, a little more sun in eastern Wisconsin, scattered showers, maybe an isolated thunderstorm this morning in the west and south, across Moss and Madison, maybe Beaver Dam, and otherwise today not too bad, low 70s, normals like it should be, south winds will be around 5 to 15. Still some chance of a shower or a storm in the south and west, Maybe trying, trying to straggle to the east here tonight. I'd look for temps overnight in the mid and upper 50s. Southeast winds at 5 to 10. A partly sunny day in store for Wednesday, and it warms a bit. Very upper 70s or quite low 80s are anticipated. South winds at 5 to 10. Thursday about the same, partly sunny, still pushing to be around 80. Southeast winds 5 to 10. And like we say, Thursday night or Friday, Pam, maybe a little isolated shower activity. I'd say at least you and Madison could see a couple of tenths of an inch yet today, but for a lot of the rest of us, just not going to be much. Well, then corn silage harvest, uh, any of that last of the hay can keep moving forward then, huh? Keeps on rolling, I'm sure, but they were going yesterday. I was over to Sheboygan County, big time busy. Yeah, I just got a, another friendly reminder from my buddy Stan to just remind folks, you know, that equipment is out on those highways. You're going to close distance on it so fast. Uh, they got a lot of weight on you 
just uh, be very careful out there. It's not just corn silage. There's a lot of different farm equipment that's out on the roadways these days. Everything is moving, and it moves way slower than you think it does, so just be careful. Yeah, talk to the kids, too. I mean, I think about my 17-year-old nephew. He's a farm kid, but he still drives faster than he probably should, so I have those conversations. Yeah, got to get there in a hurry. Got to get there. Got to get there. All right, buddy, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks, man. All right, take care. Stumach, our ag meteorologist with those weather details. Yeah, like I said, make sure that you're having that conversation with your your young drivers. Uh, they don't necessarily realize uh, how fast they're moving versus that farm equipment they're sharing the road with. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Exergen thermometers are a top choice of medical professionals at highly ranked hospitals across the U.S. Accuracy matters, so make Exergen the chosen thermometer for your home and family. Available at Walgreens and other participating retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level and policy could be developed on the issue that you have. WFBF.com Let's solve your issue. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. This year, Dairyland Seed is introducing our best corn of all time. Again, that sound you just heard? That's the sound of a full lineup of top-performing hybrids bringing the yield like never before. It's the sound of even stronger traits bred specifically to boost corn bushels per acre in your soil. And it's the sound of workhorse corn seed proven to outperform yet again in independent head-to-head trials. See the latest corn performance data at showmethecornyield.com. That's showmethecornyield.com. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing, windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece 
that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling and we went to Maine Medical Hospital and they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PVA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. It's Preston from Window World, and although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. All right, so one of the guys on the list, Rowdy, Jair Alexander, is uh, who you're trying to blame, or is there to blame, you know, who do you blame the most? He's getting the least amount of votes. Jair Alexander, we'll hear a couple from him quick. Uh, Jair talked about, you know, losing to the Falcons, how it's a missed opportunity. This is a short and sweet clip from Jair. We can't let teams go by that. We should beat. Yeah, uh, you should have beat them. Alas, you lost. Jair also was asked, you're up 24 to 12. Is it hard to believe it ended like this? Again, remember the Packers, this was a, a stat that they've flown out there, that the Packers blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead for the first time since the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. Sorry to bring up that bad memory again. Here's Jair, though, on giving up that double-digit lead. Yes, no, it is. Seriously, I, I thought for sure we had it in the bag. I thought they thought their momentum was down a couple times, but, you know, hats off to them. They play, they play hard. The Falcons also ran 78 plays. Jair was asked, were the Packers gassed their defense by the fourth? Nah, well, I don't know. Not for me. Just got to play better. He's <laughs> one of the most interesting interviewers, uh, interviewees there is. Did the Packers defense get less aggressive in the fourth quarter? Here's Jair. Uh, Compared to the first three quarters? Yeah. I had to look at the film. Honestly, Jair does not want to answer questions, Rowdy. He is uh, not feeling it. That's for sure. So he also asked, what would have been like if Jordan Love of the offense got them into field goal range on the final drive? Not have been amazing, you know, but it didn't happen. So we got to we gotta do better next week. I've never heard Jair so dejected after a game. Usually he's got a little more something to say. That's it from Jair. Well, that's because most of the time the Packers and Jair Alexander's career, the Packers have been winners or Jair Alexander has been one of the better corners where he, he shuts down 
said receiver he's covering. The Packers lost, and Jerry Alexander got his butt whooped all day. He did. That's probably why he was so quiet. Now, I'm looking at this and saying, man, the Packers, they've played two games. They're one and one. You know, they they beat up on the Bears. How good are the Bears? Looks like the Bears aren't very good. And then game two, step up in competition, playing the Atlanta Falcons down in Atlanta, two straight away games. And they had an opportunity to win. They found a way to lose. That's kind of disappointing. You can state to the to the facts that they had four bigger offensive players on the shelf, but you had a 12-point lead going into the fourth quarter. I'm just thinking about at the beginning of the season, I mean, what were a couple of the, the bigger things you were questioning if you were a Packers fan going into the year? For me, it was probably one, what is Jordan Love? And two, it was, man, <laughs> with this Anders Carlson new kicker, I mean, he's been pretty sketchy so far through preseason. Those were probably my two biggest, because I already figured – the offensive line should be solid when healthy. The running back should be solid when healthy. Wide receivers, young talent, you're going to see growing pains. Same thing with the tight ends. And then on defense, they should overall be pretty decent, but you're going to have question marks at the safety position. It, I, it felt like those were the two biggest question marks. And I know they're 1-1, one and, one and, and pro- they should be 2-0. and oh. But those two question marks for me, love kicking, they've both been good. And yet they're still finding ways to lose games. It, it Sometimes it just boggles your mind. Yeah. it's They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory yesterday. Like a- Anders Carlson has been good so far. Now, granted, everything leading up to the start of the season says, yeah, it hasn't been good. But when the lights have came on, Carlson's been good. He's, he's made everything. And it's not like he, you know, it, it was like, ooh, that got lucky. He's pretty much been splitting the uprights every time. And then Jordan Love, now, granted, he didn't play as well week two as he did week one. But, again, competition was better. Secondary was better for Atlanta. He still played good enough, I thought, for them to easily win that football game unless you played the, the fourth quarter the type of way you did. I still thought it was a good sign from Jordan Love. Again, am I ready to anoint him the next Hall of Famer? No. Do I think he looks like a decent quarterback in this league so far? Yes. Am I going to say, is he going to be a middle-of-the-road, top-half quarterback out of 32 teams this year? I don't know if I'm quite there, but I'd say he's definitely shown that he's probably a top, he's 100% a top-20 quarterback from what he's done in the first two weeks. You could go to Chicago to hear about the Board of Trade, but isn't it easier to listen to Pam Yonke? This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. No, what's really easy is for me to listen to John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He's going to be stepping in in just about 15 minutes or so. Markets continue to trend lower in overnight electronic trade. Dairy markets also got hit pretty good yesterday. Milk production for the month of August in the state went up 1%, and the harvest keeps moving on. We're going to touch on all those stories and more. I am Pam Yankee. Really glad you're along with us. Today, it looks like we're going to have shower activity along with us, at least through the morning hours. Not necessarily real measurable, but it is kind of skinning along the southern part of the state. 71 are expected to hide today, partly sunny tomorrow, and 81 partly sunny on Thursday and 82 degrees. So today is the 19th day of September. On this day, back in 1871, the Oshkosh State Teachers College was founded. 
They had previously called it Oshkosh Normal School. The new institution was destined to become a leader in the state's teacher training institution, Oshkosh State Teachers College, founded on this day back in 1871. Uh, Let's say happy birthday to actor Jeremy Irons, 75, Twiggy, icon from the 70s, 80s, 70s mostly. She is 74. Trisha Yearwood, Mrs. Garth Brooks, is 59. And Jimmy Fallon celebrating his 49th birthday. Happy birthday, and there you go. You know, Wisconsin farmers are very creative when it comes to trying new things on their farms relative to the nutrients that they manage. One of the big conversation topics lately has been composting manure. Dan Trutman is a Green County dairy producer that's been doing this for a few years. He shared his knowledge with others interested in the practice at a recent Dane Demo Field Day just outside of Madison. And he says, if you want to get started composting manure, it's going to be trial and error and require patience. I think this started back in 2012 when we expanded to 450 cows. Uh, We were dealing with larger calving pens and calf pens and things like that. And we had a lot of uh, bedding pack manure that needed to be hauled out to keep the pens clean during the summer when the crops were growing and we didn't have a place to go with it. So we started windrowing the, the manure coming out of those pen packs at that time and then turning it as a way to break it down and reduce the volume and also to make a better product to put out on the fields. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I guess initially, what did you learn? I mean, composting, it sounds like such a simple concept, Dan, but there's fine points that have to be paid attention to. Right, right, yeah. And it, it, it shouldn't be overcomplicated, but yeah, you do need to pay attention somewhat to uh, carbon-nitrogen ratios. Yeah. And, uh, it, and we didn't even do much testing on that. It was just kind of learning mm-hmm. the basics of mm-hmm. that, that uh, if you put out just a, a big pile of straw, it's not going to work. And if you put out a big pile of liquid poop, it's not going to work, but mm-hmm. you get those in the right ratio, and uh, and it really goes to town on its own. And then it's just a matter of basically feeding oxygen back into it by turning it occasionally mm-hmm. to keep the temperature up and keep the process going. Mm-hmm. Now, that whole turning apparatus has been discussed by every one of the panelists from small to a little bit you know, larger. How did you work through that progression? Well, we started with a uh, custom operator that brought a pull-type turner. And um, and it was big enough to to uh, do the pile that we made with our box spreader. So mm-hmm. I think it's about a 12 foot wide pile at the base, and it could be as long as you want. It could be a mile long or multiple shorter rows or whatever. Uh, and it's just a rotor that worked through the bottom of it. And then as it turned it, it threw it back into a slightly narrower windrow uh, and mounted up nicely. And then, um, you know, we would just turn it on a a fairly regular basis. Now, uh, if we were running our own machine, we'd have a little more control over it. But on a custom basis, it was kind of when he was available. Mm -hmm. Well, and you make that point that, yeah, in the grand plan and, uh, you know, in Dan's wish list, you would like to have your own machinery, but it's not a an investment to take lightly. Right, it's not. Um, If we can find a good used machine uh, for a reasonable price, we'll do it, but usually it's about number eight or ten on the list of the most important things that we need to buy or replace. So it hasn't happened yet, Um, but I do think it's in our future. Let's talk a little bit about uh, how you select your pad. Like you, you mentioned, you've got the volume, you've got to be prepared for that. 
site selection for that compost pile had to be thought through and you had other people that were helping you think through the site. Right. We had uh, somebody from the NRCS come out and uh, approve the site, basically. And um, so what we were looking for is a spot that was high and dry, well-drained, um, but also our soils are shallow where we're at in the New Glarus area. And so we needed to make sure that we weren't putting it right on top of bedrock. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not much leachate that comes off mm -hmm. of these piles and goes into the ground, but still we needed to ensure there was at least four feet of soil underneath just to be safe. Now, tell me what you observe. You mentioned that there's a difference between maybe uh, the beginning of that compost process, a uh, couple weeks in, versus what you call a finished product. What do you notice? Tell me the visual differences that you notice. Sure. From the beginning, uh, the, the pile's going to have a lot more uh, carbon. And when I say that, I mean, you're going to see a lot more straw and stalks, the, uh, the lignans, things like that. And that's what needs to be broken down that's what the microbes are working on um, to break it down into a more usable mm -hmm. fertilizer product mm -hmm. and then over time um, it's going to get darker it's going to start to look more like um, soil and, uh, and 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 finished product so it's it's going to get finer uh, the smell, uh, and the smell's not offensive from the start, but it, it's going to get a more earthy smell mm -hmm. as it finishes up. Dan Trutman is a Green County dairy producer who is sharing his insights with composting manure. As he said, take some patience. You've got to pay attention to a few details, but it is something getting a lot of attention from livestock producers. He was a guest speaker during a recent Dane Demo Field Day. Dane Demo is a new group of about five farms that are engaging with university extension staff doing on-farm research like composting. Well, as far as uh, Wisconsin agriculture is concerned, our crops are coming along. As of Sunday, 37% of our corn silage was harvested, according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service. Seven days ahead of last year, one day ahead of our five-year average. 53% of our potatoes have already been harvested, and the fourth cutting of alfalfa, 81% complete. As far as soybeans are concerned, uh, 74 I make that 47% of the crop looks good to excellent. No change in a week's time. We'll take a look at what's happening with the markets as we roll into a Tuesday next. With harvest season upon us, Compere Financial extends awareness to the importance of farm safety and wishes farmers and growers a safe harvest season. At Compere Financial, we are defined by you. Your hopes for the future as well as your needs today. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 to learn more. Compere Financial ACA is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. August milk production figures were released yesterday. Boy, I tell you, your eye gets drawn to certain numbers. In the month of August, California milk production went down almost 4%, and they have 10,000 fewer head of dairy animals than they did a year ago. Colorado was down 3.5%. Kansas milk was down over 4%. New Mexico milk down more than 8 The 24 major dairy-producing states as a group 
saw August milk production flat, about a third of a percentage point less than uh, August a year ago. Meanwhile, here in Wisconsin, we produced about 1% more milk in the month of August this year versus last. Markets are on the soft side as we get rolling on a Tuesday morning. John Heinberg coming up with more details on that in just a moment. Right now, we've got December corn trading three cents lower at 468. November beans are down seven, 1309. July wheat down nine, 631. Yesterday in Chicago, barrel cheese dropped nine cents to 172. 40 pound block cheese was unchanged. Double A butter gained five and a quarter cents, 277 a pound. October milk is down 11 at 1769. November milk's down 18 at 1784, 100 weights. Well, let's not waste any time. Up next, our friend John Heimberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty. As promised, our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us. I'm going to remind you about their website before we tear into it. TotalFarmMarketing.com. TotalFarmMarketing.com. His toll-free number, 800-334-9779. So last week, John, we were talking about the lead-up to the World Ag Supply Demand Report. And boy, the numbers were right there. There was no... I I guess the only shock was how big some of the numbers were, huh? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, realistically, we'll focus on the core market because that's where probably the biggest surprise kind of came in. And the market was anticipating some extra acres getting put on the pile after the FSA data came out in August you know, when producers register their acres with FSA. That number was extremely high, and that was one of the reasons we pushed lower in the, after the August report. Uh, so when the report came out in September, we were expecting the USDA make an acre adjustment, and they did. And it's actually a fairly historic chunk. You know, they They've added 774,000 acres to harvested acres for corn. So that gets us up to a, a, you know, a huge number of basically 87, almost 87.1 million acres of corn is anticipated to be harvested here this fall. And that was just way too much for the market to handle in that regard. You know, they made the move on the yield side. They brought that down to 173.8, you know, which was a little bit above what the market was anticipating. But then the biggest side of that, they didn't make any changes on the demand, you know, so that at least because of that, that keeps the carryout still relatively heavy at 2.2 billion bushels, and the market was hoping we get a little bit closer to two. So that was really the the negative side of that corn report. There really wasn't anything very rosy at all in there. In fact, even us as the analyst world still feel demand can get cut even more so, which is just going to keep this pile big. And with that, we saw some really strong money flow during the, that time frame since then, and even actually here this week now that Harvard is kicking up as we broke the new contract lows again on the overnight. The funds, and we talk about the money flow side of it, they stepped into this market very aggressively. They were already on the short side. They added almost 41,000 short contracts or combined short contracts or net short contracts to put us to one of the largest short positions we've seen for this time of the year over the last handful of years. So that that means they're they're betting that markets are going to go higher? It's a combination of two things. Being on the short side, they're they're still pushing things to the downside here. You know, adding short positions as a selling mentality. And right now they're just looking at a very comfortable corn supply. We've got the carry in the market to prove it. That just tells producers we don't want your corn right now. We've got plenty of supply. And as an end user with those types of numbers out there with harvest coming at us and the price trending lower, they're not going to step in front of this market unless they have to. So that unfortunately sets up a pretty negative situation where the prices can continue to slide until it really looks like a value. And I'm not sure we're there yet, given that set of numbers, at least at this time frame. Now, typically, we put a harvest low in somewhere in the next couple of weeks here. So hopefully, we're reaching to that point right now. Uh, and then maybe we can find some stability as we start working into the fall. Tell me what happened in soybeans. That was kind of the opposite direction. Uh, far fewer, smaller yields nationwide than had expected. But you know, looking at beans yesterday and today, they just they're just falling apart. Yeah, again, same type of thing. We're working to a seasonal low. Typically, beans really take a tumble here after the end of September into the first October. I mean, we follow some seasonal patterns, and we had a pretty big sell signal on the seasonals to sell beans yesterday, and it just seemed to come through. Now, there they brought the yield down right where we thought the market would want it, a little actually in a tenth of a bushel under, but they didn't make the cuts on the demand side that we – or excuse me, they made some cuts on the demand side that was maybe unanticipated. 
created. So that kept carry over at 220 million bushels. Now in the big picture of things, the bean side is still extremely tight. There's still a lot of questions whether a 50.1 national yield is out there. Really just from talking to producers, that last shot of hot weather over the Labor Day weekend really just seemed to kind of bring this crop to a standstill nationally. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm still friendly beans, but right now the money flow, the direction, the harvest side of things, you know, just still competition from the other from the rest of the global side of it. Just got this market breaking. Now we throw in some technical fall fallout yesterday. Still feels like beans got a chance to go down and poke at the sub 13 level first before maybe we find some footing. Let's switch directions, although the tone is the same. Everybody holding on to their wallets, everybody talking about the price at the pump. Uh, just had a TV reporter this morning say in Chicago everything was over four bucks. Minnesota, everything's over four bucks. Crude's just going crazy. Yeah, we got a strong move in the crude oil market. Now, first off, the October contract is coming off the board here uh, this week. And so that's getting a big run out. We're actually trading another dollar plus higher on October crude this morning. 92.60 is where we're at at this time frame. You know, we haven't seen that for quite a while. A little bit of that is also just the situation. Supplies are tight. So that just forces the prices to run to kind of get product moving a little bit in that regard with the expiration. But that's trickling all the way back. You know, it, it some, looks like, you know, 92 was a barrier we had to cross. It opened up the door for the $100 level. Feels like we're at least headed there. Global supplies just seem to be missing at this time frame. You know, so we're going to see that trickle through. And that's still something I'm kind of watching when we come back to the grain market. You know, we've seen the move in diesel prices. We've seen the move in, move in gasoline. Ethanol margins are good. Bean oil stocks, which is used for biodiesel after the last crush report was kind of negative in terms of bushels ground, but oil stocks are at their lowest level since 2017. So somewhere in here, this high crude oil price should start pulling maybe things back up if we continue to see that as we see ripple effects through some of these soft commodities, especially corn and soybeans tied to crude oil. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, uh, uh, still more story to be told. Again, this is John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, along with us. Uh, remind you about their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. And if you want to pick up the phone and talk to John about strategy, you know, you're <laughs> hold your breath on what's going on with these prices uh, from for at least a couple days here. 800-334-9779. That's 800-334-9779. Uh, you know, like we said, John, it's time to just kind of tie a knot and hang on. And I assume wait and see what comes in the next 10 days to two weeks. You know, we'll have to see. I mean, right now prices aren't friendly, but unfortunately with the supply side, especially in the corn market, there's more room for downside here. Now, it's hard to gauge with interest rates being higher, inflation being where it is, what is cheap now you know and if you go look at charts corn and weed look fairly cheap but if you look at them over the historical time frame there's a long way for us to slide so it's going to be a very interesting time frame here producers need to be very wary of the carry in the market and the fact that we can see that disappear month to month to month if we're storing and we don't have the demand